She's a really strong woman. She's somebody who's really created her own identity and I I look up to the way that she kind of lives her life and conducts herself. So in moments of of self-doubt and confusion, she's definitely the person that I would go to to kind of get help and advice. Hey people, I'm Abira Dhar. Listen, you better buckle up because you have reached the one and only podcast where india's favorite stars love to hang out in their raw uncut and uncensored avatars or whether you are a movie buff starry eyed or simply a curious cat you're sure to get hooked on real quick why cause itni starry baate first navya it is my first interview with you so welcome to itni starry baate let's start with uh, the fact that you have chosen a profession completely different what is expected of a star kid it has been shocking for a lot of people you know when did you decide that this is my calling and this is what i really want to do and what was the discussion like at home um firstly thank you so much for having me here i'm really excited to be talking to you um and to answer your question it's actually not very shocking because people tend to forget that um though i come from one side of the family that is you know in the film industry um the uh, my father's side of the family is actually four generations of entrepreneurs and and business women and men so um it's actually not that shocking because i've um, maybe just inclined more towards that side um and i think i grew up you know seeing my father um you know work every day um be an entrepreneur himself and i think that's probably what um i took away the most growing up and um you know therefore wanted to uh, be an entrepreneur myself but um i think in terms of the conversation at home everyone was extremely supportive of um you know my decision to start my own business and um you know stay away from the film industry and i think that um you know no matter what i do their families so they're always extremely supportive of everything um okay tell us a little more about your association with l'oreal and i know my work campaign um so this i mean obviously association has been really exciting and i'm really grateful to be a part of the campaign and of course a part of the loyal family it's i think probably something we've all grown up watching um and to be able to you know say the words you know because you're worth it is something that you know we've i've heard growing up so um it was really exciting for me to be a part of this campaign and the i know my worth campaign especially was um you know focusing more on um the individual and um l'oreal being more than just you know a beauty brand wanted to really focus on what makes each one of us worth it and if you've seen the videos that um you know we shot together um you know i really felt like i was in my environment and in my element in those videos as well so i really liked how as a brand they wanted to stay really authentic and true to who i am as a person um and that's how they decided to um you know showcase me and i hope that you know everyone enjoyed that and uh, that everyone kind of walked away from that feeling um that you know they don't have to fit a particular mold to feel worth it but just you know the way that they are is is enough 
I absolutely agree with you, but you know, we women have so much going on in our life, you know, um, the guilt is always there. If you're a mother, you have mom guilt. If you are a working individual, a lot of women go through imposter syndrome. You know, the guilt and this not feeling worth it is always there in our lives. Uh, can you, have you ever felt like that yourself and tell us your experience, how you have worked on yourself? Um, I mean, I honestly don't think I can feel guilty for anything. I come from, um, you know, a background that's given me way more than I, I deserve. So I'm just happy to be waking up every day and um, getting to do what I love, which is, you know, working on women empowerment, working on my startup. Um, and I think that's a privilege that not a lot of people have today. So I don't think I could afford to feel guilty about anything. But um, I think when I started off this journey, um, you know, I obviously being 24 years old, um, didn't really know much about how a business runs, how a business functions. So not guilt, but maybe a little bit of doubt and self-doubt was something that I faced, um, you know, in the beginning of my journey. But um, I think now two years into that journey and into that process, I think that I've learned so much that um, I'm actually happy that I started out being clueless because I think the knowledge that I have today is is. Uh, more important, you know, and, and worth the entire journey of, you know, having that confusion and doubt, because it's it's something I learned um, along the way. You know, when you have, like you said, you have self-doubt, when you have these self-doubts, who is the person that you go to, who you can make, who can make you feel better, you know, or talking to someone, that's what I'm saying, that how, how do you cope with it, so that, you know, people who are listening to this have a way to do it. Uh, I'm extremely close to my family, but I think um, my nani is somebody I'm very, very close to. So I have a great, you know, relationship with her. She's, um, you know, almost like my best friend. So I always go to her whenever I have any kind of doubt personally, professionally. Um, you know, she's a really strong woman. She's somebody who's really created her own identity. And I, I look up to the way that she kind of lives her life and conducts herself. So in moments of, of self-doubt and confusion, she's definitely the person that I would go to to kind of get help and advice okay let's come to Ara Health you know uh, Ara Health has taken an initiative to deal with the issue of gender inequality you know so Navya you're surrounded like you were just saying that you're you have your nani and you're also surrounded by such empowering women you know so can you tell me has there ever been any instances where uh, you know, in your own personal life, where it has hit you that in our daily life, gender bias exists. So, um, you know, with Ara Health, we wanted to solve the problem of inequality when it comes to healthcare for women in India. So, as you know, um, you know, a lot of women in India today don't have access to, you know, health products um, or even information about their bodies. So, that's really the gap that we wanted to bridge. Um, and I think that no matter what background you come from, um, and I think me coming from, you know, a privileged background as well, at some point, I'm sure you have also faced inequality when it comes to your body or when it comes to healthcare. Um, and I think for me, it was also, you know, personal experience of, um, you know, when you go out to a chemist to buy a sanitary pad, you're still, you know, having to hide it and it gets wrapped in newspaper. I think instances like this are something that most women in India can relate to. So um, that was really the problem that we were trying to solve, which was that there was no transparency in information when it came to women's health and hygiene. 
Um, and that's really what ARA is about. It's about creating a platform where women can feel safe um, to talk about their bodies openly, but also a platform that will give them access to information in a very judgment-free manner. Um, because a lot of these conversations sometimes are stigmatized, can be taboo. Um, and that's exactly what we were trying to um, eradicate from you know, society itself, is that women's health and hygiene is something that we should be able to talk about and not just, you know, in an office or, you know, on a platform like this, but even at home across the dining table, these are conversations that we need to normalize. So oh, when, when you spoke about this, you know, I'm sure there has been something that has hit you really hard. Like you said, one of the things that people wrap uh, are sanitary pads with the uh, newspaper till now, you know, uh, or have a black polythene. That black polythene. Oh my god! Yeah. Yes. So you know uh, these kind of things. But can you tell? Uh, can you give me more anecdotes about any more such things in daily life that has affected you? Of course, we both of us are from much privileged background. So, but still, in our daily lives, we face these things. Maybe we are uh, told not to talk about it in front of men. We are not supposed to discuss it with our fathers. You know, stuff like that. Um, any any personal anecdote? Um, I mean, I've, you know, obviously been really lucky to grow up in an environment where the men in my family have been extremely um, open and supportive of anything when it comes to women's health and hygiene. But I can share an anecdote that, you know, um, I experienced when we were starting out ARA. Um, we were conducting, you know, workshops with girls between the ages of 11 and 14 on menstruation and menstrual hygiene. Um, and there was an 11 year old girl who told us that she was really surprised when she got her first period and her menstrual blood was red because she thought it would be blue because that's the color of the liquid shown on all um, period ad, um, sanitary pad ads on television. So that's when we realized that, you know, even multinational corporations selling menstrual hygiene products still refrain from you know, transparent advertising and the impact that that can have on young girls um, who, you know, may not have access to that kind of information, um, you know, at home or from any other medium. So we realized, you know, the importance that day of, um, you know, being transparent when it comes to things like this. That is something that I've also been thinking because now it has changed. They do now show, has, yeah, now they show has, readily. But for the yes, longest time, I used to also feel the same thing. Like, what is this yeah. that is coming yeah. on this yeah. pad? <laughs> yeah. It's changed now, but it used to be blue for the longest time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think till last year, I guess. Yeah, very recently, I think it's been changed. Yeah. Okay, you know, like we were saying that we, we come from a privileged uh, background. But uh, even after that, can you tell us here we are talking about... Uh, uh, women health but other than that there is gender inequality in everything that we do in our daily life so can you can you tell us any uh, you know the existence of it in your life uh, you know maybe uh, your senior staff who stay at your place the women and the men how, how have you seen it around you every day and how are you trying to change that um, I mean, for me, my everyday environment is my office because that's, you know, what I do, um, you know, from morning till evening. So um, the immediate environment that I am in is obviously the startup space in my office. And sometimes, you know, when, um, you know, we're talking to people or we go for meetings, often 
I am the only woman in the room, um, especially when it comes to, um, you know, India and the startup space in general, we have such a vibrant startup economy, but we have a very, very low percentage of, of women founders and women entrepreneurs. And um, I've kind of, I feel that, you know, on a daily basis when, you know, I'm interacting with other people from this ecosystem and realizing that, you know, I am maybe the only woman in a lot of rooms, on a lot of tables, in a lot of calls. Um, and that's something that, you know, I would really want to change. And um, an initiative of, of mine um, called Entrepreneurie is an attempt to change that, which is um, a community that we created for women entrepreneurs in India, um, you know, to help give them the right resources and mentorship to really start businesses. And, um, you know, I think ever since I became an entrepreneur, it's been an extremely um, empowering uh, journey. And I would really want women to feel that themselves. I think being financially independent is one of the most empowering feelings um, for anyone. Um, so I would love for women to, you know, have that experience of becoming entrepreneurs and running their own businesses. So um, I hope that, you know, we can do that and achieve that. Absolutely. You're doing a great job. Thank but you. Uh, I just also wanted to know, like, for example, you said you're the only woman. Sometimes you find yourself being the only woman in a conference room or, you know, stuff like that. There have also been times, you know, for example, on a daily basis, uh, I'll just give you an ex my example. Uh, me and my, uh, I have gone out with my husband to look for a house and the broker refuses to talk to me because I'm a woman. He wants to discuss money with my husband. And like, it is like, it's... It's just, I was zapped. Like yeah. he's not talking to me because he just thinks that uh, you know that kind of feeling. Does that happen to you in a in a conference room when the man is trying to shut you down because mostly because you're a woman and you have an opinion? Um, I mean, of course, there are situations and instances where you feel that though you are talking, you're not necessarily being heard by the people in that room. Uh, maybe because they're not taking you seriously and that might not in my instance be just because of my gender but also because of my age um, because you know I am very young and um, you know there is there are a lot of kind of ageist comments that you hear sometimes as well um, but I think the way that I look at it is that if I'm the only person if I'm the only woman in that room um, then I can't be underconfident because I'm representing women who might not have been given the opportunity to be in that room. And um, I actually need to take that moment to speak up because I'm speaking not just for myself, but for all the women who are not with me in that room. So I think that it's more, it becomes more important for me to be heard. Um, so I use it as an opportunity to speak even more than I may have in any other situation, just to make sure that I am heard and that my opinions and my views are being you know, listened to. You are so smart for your age. <laughs> I'm not. I'm trying. <laughs> it was lovely talking to you, but I cannot let you go without asking you how your brother is making a Bollywood debut. Like, yeah. did you did you as a sister always knew that you know he's meant to do this? I mean, yes, I I mean he's my brother, so of course I'm biased. And when people ask me, um, you know, who my favorite actor is in the family, I always say my brother. And I'm just excited for him. I'm extremely supportive, as I mean, I'll support anything that he does. Um, but I'm excited for him, and I think that um, you know, he's excited. Um, it's a really um different journey for him and 
um i just hope that you know everyone gives him the love and affection um you know next year when his movie is out and i hope that everyone enjoys it and how many film offers has navya nanda rejected none i've never been offered films i think people really? knew the, yeah because i think people knew from the beginning that i never wanted to do this and um so yeah i think everyone knew i wasn't um interested in joining the industry so never ever gotten a film offer that's amazing you're doing great navya and we're so proud of you thank you so much <laughs> If you like listening to this podcast please share this episode and subscribe to Itni Stari Baatein You can follow the playlist on Apple Google Spotify JioSavan Gana or any of your preferred podcast streaming platforms We will be back with a new episode next week so sit tight and stay tuned